0: If you're trying to break into the tech space, you need to show an, uh, an energy and enthusiasm around technology. Therefore, you should be demonstrating some personal projects that you've been working on, so that when you're speaking to potential uh, managers, you know, you're able to say, well, look, I'm trying to break in. I'm really passionate. I've done some qualifications, right? I've got a project that I'm doing here. This is, you know, and you're able to show them some of the interesting stuff you've done.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cloud Career Mentor Show. We have a really good episode today because we have a really special guest. He's the director of a cloud recruitment agency called Zentech Talent, and he's here to share some of the insights as to what you can do to get jobs in the cloud industry from a recruiter's point of view. I'm very excited to have him on, and I'm looking forward to the insights he's going to share today. Welcome, Jesse Dillon. How are you? I'm very
0: good. Thank you for having me. That's a great introduction. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm doing really well, thanks.
1: No, that's great. Um, Yeah, I'd, I'd like you just for the listeners just to introduce yourself. What does your recruitment company do and just just shed some light into that?
0: Sure. So just echoing what you said, you know, I work with businesses who are looking for infrastructure staff, you know, experience takes me back 14 years when there wasn't cloud and it was kind of on-prem. And then obviously we've shifted now from from on-prem and, and virtual machines into, into the cloud. So businesses ultimately who are looking for infrastructure staff, which obviously then fits the cloud space, AWS, Azure, some GCP. And um, yeah, that's what, that's
1: what we do. Are you interested in getting your first cloud job? If you answered yes, then I have a free guide just for you. This free guide walks you through a proven step-by-step process to help you get that first cloud job. It walks you through the three simple steps you can take today to make yourself highly employable. The link is in the description below, so make sure you download it now if you're interested. All right, let's get back to the show. Awesome. So let's let's dive into it. Uh, you know, you, you must interview or talk to a lot of candidates who are breaking into the cloud. What mistakes do you think uh, either junior cloud engineers or just most cloud engineers make in their job search? That's a great question. I think it comes down to a mindset.
0: I think people in this cloud space sometimes can be misguided doing, uh, you know, obviously kind of getting qualifications and then expecting to go into a role as a cloud engineer. Um, I think, you know, the, the reality is an entrance into cloud tends to be in a first line support capacity. From my experience, cloud engineers, junior cloud engineers from the people that I've placed tend to have a couple of years of experience. They've been doing perhaps some support work, and then they're shifting into that cloud space. So I think it's a mindset of understanding uh, cloud engineers, you you know, doing qualifications off the cuff doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go straight into a cloud engineer role. Uh, Ultimately, what what you will be doing is, you know, you want to get your foot in the door from a support perspective, get your head around that. And then opportunities will come to get into that cloud
1: space. No, I think that's great because one of the questions I get asked a lot is, you know, where are all the entry level cloud roles? And I kind of tell people that the cloud industry, almost by default, by definition, is mid-level because you're dealing with a lot of infrastructure. You're dealing with things that are critical to the business. And if you if you mess up, it could be quite serious. But even apart from that, you need to have knowledge of multiple disciplines like networking, security, not to mention like the cloud itself. So. I like what you're saying where it's like, look, you just need to get some technical experience, some support experience. And that gives you a bit of an advantage.
0: Yeah. When cloud, you know, when we transitioned to cloud and there wasn't much cloud experience in the marketplace, what we were looking for from an entry perspective were Windows systems administrators that had PowerShell experience specifically, you know, PowerShell was a a key thing and it's still a key thing now, you know, kind of um, having those languages where you're able to, to use for automation, but that, that used to be the entrance level for, for cloud engineers. So we. Would look for third line system admi- administrators who wanted to get into cloud who hadn't done any experience had had no experience but that was the entry level so if we look at it cloud engineers coming in they're not systems administrators right they, they have some qualifications which ultimately means to get into you're getting into the support environment so you start at first line
1: that's pretty much what it is yeah that's great so if if you're listening now you've been having some trouble breaking into cloud industry you know it might be worth looking at first line support of you know either like on-premises stuff, um, service desk. And if you're already in like a service desk industry, you're at a unique advantage to begin thinking about moving into the cloud if that's what you're into. Because ultimately, it's all about what hands-on skills you're bringing in, what automation, you know, can you script in Python or Bash or PowerShell. You know, you need to bring some attributes to the table here. You can't just show up with a couple of certifications.
0: Absolutely. And I did some research, and I'm sure your um, listeners will do as well. If you type in junior cloud engineer online, you know, you... What I found was not very much, uh, to be frank, and, and even when you are looking at those and you read the specs, they're saying three years of experience, right? But then if you look then at first-line roles, there's a load of first-line roles, and that's, mm. the entry, that's the entry into cloud. And I think sometimes it's misguided. If if people just understood that from the beginning, then they perhaps save a lot of time because they wouldn't necessarily be searching cloud roles. They'll be saying, okay, great, I've got some cloud certifications. Now I need to get a first-line role.
1: That is really good insight. So if so I guess we should think of cloud like a long-term game where, you know, if you've been searching for six months, a year, you know, you haven't gotten anything, it might be worth reframing that and looking at, okay, what are some first line roles I could get into? you know, get my foot in the door and then build up to, to that.
0: Absolutely. And then the other thing is once you're into an organization, the chances are they're going to be using the cloud and then you'll have an opportunity to build those relationships internally. Um, let your, uh, you know, let your seniors know that you're, you're targeting this cloud space and they, they will perhaps look at your trajectory and say, right, okay, we can work with you
1: over the next couple of years to get you into that space. This really good insight. Yeah. This is really good insight because I don't think we, we, we've heard this anywhere else before. So now, thanks for sharing that do you have any other mistakes you see junior cloud engineers make maybe even in like the job application process or or anything else around that
0: not necessarily mistakes but i'd say what one the the key thing is when we're looking at support is uh if we put the tech experience to the side for a moment you know the softer skills of customer service Mm -hmm. is really important um, and the, you know, confidence to, to, to get on the phone and ultimately also be client facing because, uh, from a first line support perspective or a support perspective, generally you're interacting with, with customers. You have to have the softer skills of being able to articulate yourself, you know, articulate yourself clearly, um, have phone mannerisms, uh, be able to deal with difficult customers, you know? So actually it's really important to know that it's not just about your tech skills. It's also about your softer skills and how that comes across, which is probably more important because tech, tech skills, you could be taught, but customer services, you kind of have to have a, a little bit of flair and you've got to be able to, you know, kind of get across really well and, and deal with difficult customers a lot of the time that are annoyed frustrated because something's gone wrong and you know so it's kind of understanding that as well as the tech yes.
1: space I think that's again another valid point and I, I really want people to take a note of that because from my experience a lot of my background before I got into like the tech uh, tech space was in sort of retail and customer service and I realized that that the training I received in these customer service roles really translated well in my cloud role in terms of you know how do you communicate with a customer when something goes wrong because a lot of the time if you're in cloud support they're reaching out to you because something's gone wrong (laughs) Um, people don't really reach out when everything is going really well so how do you communicate then and also DevOps and cloud again by definition it's you're always working with other people and other teams it might not be customers it might be the developers it might be the project manager it might be Um, someone else so you're always communicating with people and your ability to communicate is so important because that's the difference between you know being someone that people want to work with and being ineffective and even staying on that communication piece as well it really helps in your interviewing because a big part of what employers are looking for from what I've noticed is do you fit, fit in well with the team and that that comes across in your soft skills. You know, how do you communicate in the interview? Are you smiling? Are you able to talk about yourself and your experiences really well? So I think that communication piece is, like you say, Jesse, even probably even more important. I mean, you need the technical skills, but that communication is what actually takes you to the next level. Absolutely. And then
0: the other thing I'd say um, where I think uh, people can, can help themselves is just doing some projects at home. So we know that, um, scripting is really important. Um, you know, PowerShell scripting, or whether it's YAML or Bash or, or Python, you know, there's, there's, um, I always push people back to uh, the Raspberry Pi and say, look, mm. you know, if you're, if you're trying to break into the tech space, you need to show an, uh, an energy and enthusiasm around technology. Therefore, you should be demonstrating some personal projects that you've been working on, so that when you're speaking to potential uh, managers or, or hiring, you know, uh, hiring managers, you know, you're able to say, well, look, I'm trying to break in. I'm really passionate. I've done some qualification. Right. I've got a project that I'm doing here. This is, you know, and you're able to show them some of the interesting stuff you've done. But if but if I would if I would focus on anything, I would be saying focus in on the the, the kind of the scripting side of things. Because that's what's gonna mm. s- that's what's gonna make you stand out. Um, because we're we're going into a place where obviously efficiencies and automation is really important. Um, and if you're able to demonstrate that you, you've you got a, a good command of, you know, PowerShell, for example, PowerShell scripting, that's going to make you stand out. So it's just basic things like that. And I, I speak to a lot of people that will say, yeah, you know, I'm going to do it. But when I follow up, or if I'm speaking to people, they kind of, like, well, I haven't got around to it yet.
1: Yes. And I, again, not surprisingly, I wholeheartedly agree, especially if you don't have any real world experience it's all about the projects. And I like your idea of the Raspberry Pi because I actually had a Raspberry Pi when I was starting out. I think they're like $30 or something, really cheap. You know, you can SSH on, create web servers, do projects. And also for those interested, I created a YouTube video called Nine High Quality AWS Projects You Can Do. And that walks you through like from what I've seen in the industry, some of the most common things cloud engineers do. So for example, setting up auto-scaling for EC2, working with Terraform, you know, doing projects with Python, uh, Git, CI, CD. So check that out if you want some ideas of some projects you can do in your spare time, because the reality is employers want someone who can come in and help fix their problems. And you need to be able to demonstrate that you've done something like that before, or at least show that you have the initiative to learn things on your own. And you you can talk about projects you've done because a big part of that communication is your enthusiasm as well. It's because if you can talk enthusiastically about this Raspberry Pi project you did, or this you know, auto-scaling project you did, they will be able to see that because Every cloud engineer was a beginner once. And so we know how to spot the people who are really passionate about it and you know, if you don't have any projects, then you can't really talk about anything in the interviews, which puts you at a disadvantage.
0: I was going to say, the other thing is this, is if if perhaps you're looking to break into the field and you've done some qualifications and it's in this cloud space and you've got a bit of time, maybe you might want to start having a look at something around the developer space, because actually also getting, breaking into technology, uh, you know, there's two routes. You've got the infrastructure, you've got development. And I think development you know there's a massive need for developers coming through and software uh, businesses will look for uh, junior developers who actually might not have uh, much experience but the entry level is probably slightly higher in terms of pay and also what they're going to be looking for is people that have projects so if you can demonstrate again you know if you wanted to break into tech and maybe you're struggling from an infrastructure or from a cloud point of view then hey you, you know the other option is the development space you can become a developer uh, and, and actually, that's a really solid skill set, too, because like we know now, it's, you know, infrastructure and dev op- development are coming together in this DevOps space. Yeah, so it's all think, scripting. You know, exactly. So I think it's really important to kind of understand it's tough to break into technology, but you have to give yourself the best chance. And don't give mm. you, you know, don't maybe look at only one direction. Try and open it up to say, okay, well, I'd like to get into infrastructure, which means it's going to be a first-line support role. Or at the same time, I'm also training in order to perhaps become a developer. And these are the languages that I'm working with. And that skill set there, if you're speaking to businesses, they'll be like, well, great, this guy's really interested to get in. We could potentially have him on the first line. We could potentially have him as a a junior developer. Um, But even with that skill set, you might go in and then ultimately you can utilize it in the future, right? Because the most important thing is just that foot in the door. Just however you can get it is that.
1: And that's, it's it's so funny when you're speaking, it's just like um, flagging up things in my head as well, because I remember when I was first breaking into the industry, I was applying for, because I I learned Python as well, um, just in in my general learning, I was applying for like software developer roles, cloud roles, just Linux administrator, just whatever. (laughs) Like I was just applying because I'm like, okay, I have these set of skills. And like you were saying, how can you just get a foot in the door? Because once you're in, then you can then, you learn how the industry works and you navigate. And I think this is actually a point for any software developers listening as well, is that your skills are very valuable in the cloud space. And I think a lot of the best, you know, solutions architects or cloud engineers I've seen, they actually came from a software background because with almost everyone I've spoken to, especially people who are looking to break into the cloud industry, they always ask me, oh, do I need to learn programming? I'm like, yes, yes, yes you do. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, you do. Um, And that's usually the hardest part. So I think if you just accept that you need to learn that, then that will definitely put you you in, in right stead. And yeah, if you're from a software background, there's a career for you in the cloud as well. If you're interested, if you want to learn more sort of, systems design and, and how how all of that works. Absolutely. That that works. So Jesse, I think I think you've given them you've given them more than enough to to get started on. And I think even just taking actions on these things already put you ahead of the game. And what what I like to say to people in terms of my messaging is that it's all about probabilities, you know? Anyone who can say, yeah, I guarantee you a job in three months is lying to you. All I can say is what, we, what we're trying to do here is give you the tips that just gives you that added probability of achieving your goal and just takes you a bit closer to it. Just gives you the edge. Um, the next question I have for you is, again, you, you must prep a lot of cloud people looking to get jobs, especially at the interview stage. What advice would you give to cloud engineers on how they can prepare for their interviews or what they can do better there? That's a great question. And I think um actually...
0: The key to success in interviews is preparation, right? Um, mm. you, you really have to understand what the hiring manager is looking for and be prepared. To an extent, sometimes you can have a little bit of control in that interview. A lot of people go into interviews thinking, well, I don't know what's going to come up. You know, I'm just going to, you know, do my research on the company and that's it. But the way I would work uh, and the way I have worked with, with candidates is, yes, you need a sentence a very quick sentence to tell the hiring manager that you know what the business does, that's great. But ultimately, you've, you've really got to be, I, I would actually say, go online and find some basics. So th- if, if we look at entry, right, we're, we're, we're talking about people trying to break into to technology. So it's going to be first line. Let's take it back to what it's actually going to be. So you're going to get a first line support role, in which case you need to go online and and identify what those first line questions are going to be right? And there's a whole load of stuff online that says, these are the first, these, these are interviews that will come up from a first line perspective. And you, you need to know what those questions are. You need to have rehearsed the answers so that when someone says to you, what is this? Or what is the port number for this? Or what is, you know, how would you, and you need to be able to kind of come up with it, but you, you, you kind of have to preempt the questions that are coming up and have looked at them, rehearsed them. So you're prepared for technical questions. And there's a lot of that online. So yeah, that that that's I'd, I'd say yes. You, you kind of you got thirty seconds when you when an interview starts, right? Your first impressions are so important, and usually the first question that's asked of you is, "What do you know about us?" Right. So you have to be able to articulately with within thirty seconds be able to say, "This is what I know about your company." You know, are you happy with my understanding uh, of what the company does? Right, and then it goes into the tech space, and from that tech space, you kind of you're already prepared because you've gone through fifty questions, right? And you you, you got your qualifications. You kind of you, you know you, you're understanding technology, but those questions, the answers to those questions are so important. You have to know them, and you have to rehearse it.
1: Yeah, and in fact, I, I'll take a step back. I think you're assuming that a lot of people research the company. I think you'd be surprised by how few people actually research the company that they're going to work for. And, you know, I've, I've, I've helped prep a lot of people for interviews and I'd say there's two main aspects. There's, you know, the technical stuff, like, okay, you know, what port number is this, all of that. But also where I see a lot of people fall down is also the non-technical question, something as simple as, oh, tell me a bit about yourself. You know, a lot of people fall down there or, or, you know, why would you like to work for us? A lot of people fall down there. And it goes in line with what you were saying is that, a, you need to prepare as much as possible, but also you need to have structured answers. So you need to do research as to, like you're saying, what the company does, and you know, also how do you talk about that. You know, it's like, oh, I see you do A, B, and C and I'm really passionate about A, B, and C and I want to use my skills to contribute to that. Or, you know, answering based on a job description. So if, if you see they're asking for certain things in a job description, use those in your answers, you know, as opposed to just talking generally. So how do you tailor You can have sort of general answers, but how do you tailor it to that specific industry or sorry, that specific company or that specific role? And I think that's that's a bit of an art that a lot of people aren't even aware of.
0: Absolutely. And also I'd I'd go further and say, look, let's split the interview up in three parts. You have the beginning, which is the introduction. You're right. What do you know about us? And also tell me a little bit about yourself. That answer needs to be rehearsed. It's like a presentation. You don't just go and deliver a presentation. You write it, you rehearse it, you show someone your presentation, you deliver it a few times, and then you go ahead and deliver a presentation and that's exactly the same as an interview so in the first instance if we break the interview up in three parts the first bit is what do you know about us tell me a little bit about you that needs to be that's your hook so you need to be able to be demonstrating in that what do you know we well, you know tell me about you you need to talk about your projects your passion in this sector and your qualifications that you are bring to the table right and it needs to be rehearsed you need to have kind of and you only want to be talking for maybe a minute maximum because you're not going to get you know if you're talking for too long people are not people are going to stop listening so you kind of have to have a short sharp to the point this is a little bit about me and that's your hook in the middle bit will go into the the tech side of things and then actually the third bit which is at the end which is really important which is questions right an, an interviewer yeah. will always say, what questions <laughs> do you have for me? And actually preparing those questions are so important because it shows your interest, but also it's an opportunity for you to dig a little bit deeper, ask some intelligent questions and, and get them talking about the opportunity. At that point, you're always going to stay away from any you know any, any kind of questions around benefits or HR. It's n- nothing to yeah. do with that. You, you never want to be asking what the working hours are. You never want to ask anything about the, the kind of semantics because that kind of stuff you can iron out ultimately you want to be talking about right what kind of tickets am i going to be dealing with right what kind of customers mm. are you working with um you know yes. what, what, what's the what's the learning what, what's the potential in terms of how will i be talk- you know what i mean Like you want to kind of find out about the role and dig a little bit deeper and it should always stay away from any benefits or working hours or anything like that even even in terms of hybrid because to be frank in the first job you got to take what's, what's coming to you if you got to be in yeah, the office whatever it is you <laughs> got to be in the office 5 days a week then you got to be in the office 5 days a week
1: yeah. All
0: right. If you've yeah, got to, no, if you've got to work really... nights, you've got to work nights. Oh, anything that gets you've you gotta in,
1: You've got to work nights. you got to just get in. I'll be, yeah, again, you're, you're bringing up so much stuff that I've forgotten. My first job in technology at all was in at, like it was in a support role for a video conferencing thing. And it was literally night shift, 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. I did that for three months. Because <laughs> yeah, you, you just have to take what you got to take, right? And you sort of work your way up from there.
0: And I would argue, Go and find night shift roles because the chances are mm. so many people don't want to do night shifts. But you have to be the person that's able to put it in and say, actually, you know what? I'm willing to do night shifts because I just want an in. I just want an yeah. opportunity in. So you might have to cut your cut your teeth for twelve months in a night shift role, but ultimately, yeah. everyone's batting it away. That's your opportunity in. So you've got to find that's the your opportunity. Work. For example, people are you know want to work from home. It's like, look, if I need to be in the office for five days a week, I'll do it. You kind of got to do yeah. what's necessary in the first instance, just to get yourself in the door.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have a post coming out on LinkedIn soon where I'm talking about how, you know, remote work is the enemy of cloud beginners, because if you're applying for jobs, like in your area, you're only competing with people who can get to that location if you're applying for jobs remote, you're basically competing with the world. So, <laughs> so again, it comes down to the probabilities. How do you improve your chances? And I really like to go back a bit to what you said about sort of the three stages in the interview. So the intro, which is about you and the company, then the technical meat of it, and then the questions at the end and a framework that I teach in my program for those looking to, you know, interview it's to think of your answers in bullet points. So you have your two or three bullet points you're going to talk about. So for example, tell me a bit about yourself. Bullet point one, this is why I got into cloud. Bullet point two, uh, these are my qualifications and projects. And bullet point three, like, you know, I'm really excited to see how I can add my skills to your company. And by having bullet points, it helps you keep to keep your answers succinct and on point. Because something I've noticed is a lot of people waffle, you know, they, they just keep talking and talking because they don't really have points. But if you know, can okay, to hit point A, point B, point C or point A and point B, that's it. And you can, you know, stop and allow, allow the interviewer to ask questions. So and in addition to yeah. that, what I'd
0: say is I have this wrap up technique, right? So I always kind of say to my guys, look, after you've delivered your answer, you want to be saying, does that answer your question? Yeah,
1: is, mm. di, is there something
0: more, you know, did that answer your question? Did you want me to elaborate on what I've just said? Because what that does is it tells them you finished and it gives them the, it asks the interviewer question. Does that answer your question? Which is yes, you're getting a confirmation of yes. Does that make sense? If you're constantly doing that to the That makes a lot of sense. So if you're saying, hey, does that answer your question? Does that make sense? Did you want me to elaborate on what I've just said? Firstly, you're wrapping your answer up. Secondly, you're getting positive confirmation from the hiring manager that, yes, that does answer my question. So as you go through this process,
1: you're getting lots of yeses. Mm. Also what, what that does as well is that it actually shows the interviewer that you're confident in answering more, because I feel like a lot of people, they just want to like quickly answer the question. i like, don't ask me anymore. This is all I know. But if you're like, yeah, let me know if you'd like me to elaborate. It shows that you have more in you that you can bring out if they need.
0: And you're taking control of that because what you're doing is you've been asked a question you're answering, then you're asking a question back. Hey, does that answer your question? Is that what you were looking yeah. for? Because sometimes, if if you get asked a technical question, this is really important. If you get asked a technical question and you don't wrap up, they'll accept your answer and move on. If you if you mm. say, okay, port number is that? Is that does that answer your question? Is that what you were looking for? He'll say, oh, not not quite. And actually, he'll engage in a conversation with you. And and the most times, especially at the entry level, they're not looking for you to be perfect technically, but they are looking for the communication, the confidence, and you know. Um, the ability, the aptitude to be able to pick up these things because you're going to learn, right? So if, you know, if you've got that, those wrap up techniques as well, you know, it it gives you a better chance because you're taking a little bit of control and you're just confirming with them is, does that answer your question? Does that make sense? Did you want me to elaborate? And that's really powerful. Yeah.
1: I think, again, I I completely agree. I, I think this is the communication thing again, back to that. Super important. It's also the most neglected thing. Everyone wants to know, oh, do I learn Kubernetes? Do I learn this? like nah? Just <laughs> learn how to what you've done. A learn how to do the basics really well, get some projects under your belt, and then learn how to communicate that. Because if there are two candidates, even if candidate A is better than candidate B, technically, if candidate B is a better communicator, then candidate B will get the job every single time. So, Ned, no, don't forget to neglect that again. Just, just so many gems. Uh, so, I, I want to have one more question. Then, you know, we'll go into some some questions from the community. So, you know, I think you've 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 shared a lot of really valuable information here today. If you had someone coming to you, you know, saying, if you could summarize as maybe one or two pieces of advice you give to someone at the start of their cloud journey? Maybe they've done one or two certifications. Maybe they've done one or two projects. <clears throat> and again, it could be something you've, you've said before, but what's the one piece of, of, of advice you'd look to give to someone at the start of their journey looking to get their first job?
0: Okay, so uh, that's a great question. Um, and there's, there's a couple of things uh, I'd say, no, not necessarily one. So firstly, it's your process. So let, let's talk about process of actually going to identify a job, because I think sometimes that could be missed. By simply applying for a role online, it's not enough. There's a, If you go onto job site now or CW Jobs or whatever job board, you'll see 100 first-line engineer roles. By applying to those and waiting for someone to come back to you isn't enough. You have to apply, pick up the phone, speak to the consultant, build a relationship um, and be front of mind because there are hundreds of people that are applying for that role. And if you're not picking up the phone and speaking to a consultant and introducing yourself and making yourself known, then the chances of them looking at your profile uh, or even getting to you from the 100 or 200 applications that are that are in uh, are, are slim. So the first thing is mm. the process of applying for a job isn't on an email. It's actually picking up and trying to speak to the consultant just to introduce, because when people call me, um, you know, I'm listening into so many other things apart from the text, the tech side of things, but also at the same time, where, you know, consultants are working on multiple jobs, right? So we're spinning many plates. We've got several jobs on. Um, we're looking for the best candidates. We're obviously having, we've got timeframes, you know, we've got to deliver within a particular time frame as well. Um, so someone calling me and saying, hey, you know, I've seen your job. Uh, that's just brilliant. Uh, I I I love the fact that people reach out to me. Most people don't. Surprisingly enough. You know, surprisingly mm. enough, most people just send an email and uh, or send a send a C V and expect for a call back. But you gotta inter- mm. you gotta interrupt that from the consultant perspective because when you know we're we're resourcing, we're looking for candidates, people calling in, introducing themselves, they stick out. They're at top of mind. And that's really important. Yes.
1: I think and th- and this is one of the the valuable insights I, I, I'm happy you're able to share because, you know, as candidates or people in the cloud industry, we don't actually know what the workflow is for the recruiter or the consultant. You know, all we know is I'm sending a job and that's it. But yeah, like you said, like you're actually handling multiple job roles, multiple candidates. So it's like, how do we sort of interrupt that and stay top of mind? One of the things I always encourage is, how do you, again, how do you make it easier for a recruiter to to find your skills valuable? And one of them I always say is like, make sure you're constantly posting about what you're doing on LinkedIn. Because again, that's just a shortcut, like, oh, I see this person has done like five posts about this interesting projects. They must know what they're, what they're talking about, as opposed to like a candidate that maybe if you go on their profile, there's nothing there. But also I really like what you say about like, yeah, just, just calling the recruiter, um, because yeah, now you're top of mind. And I think that's such an important one because that's not something any of us would have thought of really, um, in fact one of the candidates in the program who like recently just got a job like a month before he got the job, he was saying that, well, I'm getting all these calls from recruiters and I don't know if they're just like farming my CV or anything. And I'm like, don't worry about that. Just talk to them. <laughs> like it doesn't matter if there's, you know, like potentially a fake job. I mean, I don't even know anything about that, but I think the fact that you're even having conversations, it means you're top of mind. It means your, your CV or resume is looking good. You know, that's that's always positive. But I like that proactive approach of, yeah, just just apply and then give them a call. So yeah, I think that's a really good insight actually. Yeah. Um no, that's great. Um, yeah, so I guess now we can move to a couple of questions from the community. For, so for those who don't know, I run a Cloud Career Mentor program and the people in the community, I asked them that, you know, I've got Jesse coming on, you know, what questions would you have for him? And the first question I received was, again, maybe you've answered this, but it's always good to sort of summarize these points. Um, one of the students said, how can we make ourselves more appealing to recruiters when transitioning from a non-IT background? Although we're constantly gaining new skills and working on projects to increase our knowledge, there will always be another applicant with relevant experience that we don't have. So, how do we compete? It's a great question, and I think, like you said, we've talked about some of the areas that they they need
0: to stick stand out on. I think you know, some having something in the locker to say what you're doing uh, as projects is massively key because that's going to make you stand out, right? Focusing on I'd say from a first line point of view, as the scripting, right? You, you should really be you should really be getting your head around PowerShell scripting as a as a as a, as a minimum to show off the skill set. Um you, you know uh, or bash scripting or bash, for those abso- who are in the Linux. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So PowerShell, bash scripting. So that that's definitely something that that you know you wanna you wanna be looking at. So it's the projects, it's the kind of additional work, it's kind of show, showing some projects online, so having some kind of portfolio, which is always gonna so it's always gonna help. And then in order to stick out, you need to pick up the phone.
1: Mm. You need to pick up the phone and you need to build the you have to get into this get into the sales game. <laughs> you, have, you, you have to sell yourself you have to you have to be able to build those relationships because ultimately you know
0: we when we put a short list of candidates together, um, it's not just about the tech stack. it's more especially when we're looking at first line engineers, it's more important that they have the softer the customer focus skills and you want someone who comes across really well who's you know got a good personality who's going to deal with customers and 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 I would say you you, you got to be front of mind. For that, because there's a lot of people wanting to do that, so you've got to be in the at the top of the queue, which means pick up the phone and speak to the consultants that are hiring first line engineers. And there's a lot of them.
1: No, that that's that's great advice. Thank you. Um, the second and final question is: How exactly do recruiters select resumes? Are there any AI techniques or keywords they look for when selecting these resumes? Is there any truth to this ATS thing we've we've heard so much about?
0: Uh, I mean, look, there's there's a, a, a there's a number of ways Um, from an ATS point of view, there will be like word searches, you know, um, to, to catch, to catch particular phrases in CVs so that um, you know, you're speaking to relevant candidates. So absolutely you want to make sure you've got the relevant skills in your CV so that people are able to search you. So there's a Boolean search, right? So we'll type in, okay, first Mm. line, for example, right. Uh, And this support active directory or, you know, you know dns or or uh, dhcp whatever whatever kind of words we're looking for to filter Mm. to filter through the the candidates so having keywords on your profile is important and you've got to work out though i think the key is this look what role are you applying for if you've done a cloud qualification right and you're looking for a cloud job the chances are it's not going to come so, you know, by having AWS and all that, it's great on your CV, but you have to then put something else in there too for them to, you kind of want to mm. be putting in first line so that you're mm. picked up so that at least you're picked up to say, okay, well, I'm looking for, a, you know, I've done these qualifications. I'm looking for my entry level now, first line into uh, in, into tech, right? So you've got to have those kind of keywords. I would work backwards and say, go on to, uh, you know, find some job specs that our first line, have a look at what they're asking and then start looking around those technologies and then put that in your CV and then that will bring you up. But ultimately, again, if we go back to our point, you can't simply rely on somebody to phone you. you right now in this market, you have to be phoning.
1: Mm, not in this economy. You've got to be phoning. You gotta, you've got to be picking up that and, phone. And also, I, I think I want to add as well, it's like, don't just throw in keywords because you want to rank up first. I think it's very important to have worked or done projects on the technologies you're talking about and I think as well you want to put those words in context right you know because I see there's all these hacks of oh yeah you you write all these keywords in like in the white so it doesn't appear and I've seen all sorts of things I think a lot of the times the truth wins out so I see when you're talking about the projects you've done these keywords will naturally come up like you know I used a VPC and I created a DNS and I did auto-scaling and I used EC2 and RDS to do A, B, and C. And I think just being able to write about your experience on your resume will naturally, a lot of the time, bring in those. I mean, I know with me, I, I never really understood like the ATS system and the keyword. I think by just knowing how to write a resume and actually having done projects that use those words, um, it just it, it just naturally brings in because I'm I'm always skeptical of hacks and stuff where you know if you if you write it this way, it's like yeah, I don't know if not. they work and or then, not. And then and then some
0: basic stuff like um you wanna have because or, or the way ATSs work or, or when you're doing a search on candidates. Uh, although we have this remote space, you know, we you you still have to put a postcode in. So you need to have a. I I would mm. I would argue that you want to have a postcode on your CV or a location to pick you up because if your CV is out there in public and there's no location, then how do we put, how do we know where you are? And and the, and the ATS that's, won't pick you up. So you need a postcode.
1: To that's say, a really good tip, and I'm writing that down. So would you recommend then? Let's say they're based in London. Would you recommend they write London or their postcode? Because, you know, some people are quite privacy conscious and, and all so of that. So I would
0: say London, uh, for example, TW4, right? So mm. you're like, okay, I've got the three, you know, three areas. So that tells me I'm, you know, TW4 is West London, for example. You can have N3 mm. or, you know, SW, whatever. But it, but that will pick up on the search to say, okay, I'm looking for candidates within a, within a particular space, within a particular radius of, you know, W1. For example, and if you're TW4, that's going to come in with a 20 mile radius. I'm going to pick you up. But if you're not, if you're not, that's not coming up. Does that make sense? It's not
1: coming up. Yeah, you're not going to no, be in that set. that search. is that is really useful. I mean, I did not know that. Um, so I think this this is going to help a lot of people. Um, you know, I think we might have to have a part two of this. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to reach out, get some more questions because this has been really valuable um yeah so now I, I guess we'll wrap up if if someone wanted to get in touch with you or you know where would you like to point my listeners to yeah let, let them yeah, know
0: Yeah, i mean on my linkedin profile i'm active on linkedin so um feel free to reach out um if you google Zente- and I'll-
1: I'll drop that in the in the uh, description Absolutely. as well. The LinkedIn profile. And if
0: you if you Google Zentech Talent, you you know our, our numbers will come up. So you have got the office number there as well. And um, yeah, I'm happy to to speak to to engineers. I mean, look, I will I will say, and I think I mentioned this to you. Ultimately, we we kind of focus in on the mid to senior level in terms of cloud. But obviously, through that journey, we have taken cloud engineers. But like I said, my experience of taking junior cloud engineers t- tends to be they they're still kind of senior. But I've helped a lot of people transition into uh, first line roles because I have relationships. relationships. Relationships with businesses where they're looking for engineers Mm. to come in from a first line perspective, and I've been able to help transition that um, and get people involved because you know that especially in certain sectors, there's a massive need for for people to come in at an entry level. So yeah, but you can you know reach me. I'm available.
1: I'm everywhere pretty much. No, that's great. And I think, I believe this applies to UK and US people as well. Absolutely.
0: Um, so yeah, yeah I, as I mentioned to you, you know, the, the US is, um, our new market, which we're quite excited about. So, um, we're starting off in New York and, uh, taking our services out there, working with some clients and so we've already, already got, um, got, got one or two clients, uh, uh, working with us, which is fantastic and looking to, to grow that base.
1: Awesome, Jesse. Once again, thanks so much for coming on. And yeah, we'll speak later.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon.
1: Awesome.